Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. We hope you are doing well. As always, since this is the first episode of the month, it is going to be free and it is available to everybody. However, if you would like to gain access to all of our episodes, including our weekly interview episode, and we have an exciting one this week as well, you can go to patreon.com slash T-I-F. And that gets you access to not only all of the podcasts, you also gain access to our written work. You can participate in the shows, ask questions during the interview episodes as well. So again, patreon.com slash T-I-F-P. Okay, Carlo and Nima, I am joined by them as always. So it was a busy week, guys, but we're going to start off. Since you two are boomers, it's only appropriate (laughs) that we start the show off by talking about and discussing probably the most informed boomer in all of world football. So let's get to him now. Okay, guys. So Zlatan, this guy is, I'm lost for words because at 39 years old, the way he is carrying this Milan is unbelievable. Carlo, when he returned, I, like many others, thought that what he was really bringing wasn't necessarily going to be on the pitch. It was more so in the dressing room. Attitude. A guy who has won just about everything. But the fact that he's delivering like this on the pitch at his age, it's indescribable. I don't know if we've ever seen it at this level before from a 39-year-old. Would you have ever thought that when he came back that he would be delivering like this? No, I think he's probably the greatest 39-year-old that we've ever seen in Serie A. The the greatest player we've ever seen playing into his 40th year um, based on what he's performing, his performances on the pitch. I mean, we've had some great players like Totti, Javier Zanetti, Paolo Maldini, Costa Curta... Vieco would, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic is is playing at a higher level than than either of any of those players were in terms of the way that he's making the difference. I mean, this season he scored seven goals in four games. Uh, since joining at the start of January, he, he scored 17 goals in 22 Serie A games. Um, and just the impact that he's had on a, on a Milan team that was in complete crisis. They're now top of the league this season. They've gone... 24 games unbeaten um you know he's now Zlatan's now scored six in a row which matches his record from his first spell at um at Milan and and the, and the record of, of Andrei Shevchenko I mean the the winner that he scored at the at the weekend uh against Udinese I mean those acrobatics that kind of semi-bicycle kick I mean you know to be doing that at the age of 39 I mean it defies the the aging process um it's um I did not expect him to to produce even 50% of what he's producing it is it's it's unbelievable for me it's not just all of the things that you both of you have said it's also the fact that he's so he's so important in everything that Milan do defensively he's a reference point in attack he he leads by example he his movement you know he doesn't run as much as he used to but his movement is still fantastic 
his vision and, and read of the game is, is second to none. Um, I was, I knew, I mean, when I, when he came back to Milan, I was thinking, I, I knew he was going to be good, but I was afraid that his body wouldn't last. I knew that he, he wouldn't put himself in this position if he didn't know that he could take it. But my issue was, my worry and concern was, can his body deal with this kind of, the you know, deal with the workload of, that it takes to play like this at Milan? Uh, week in week out three competitions and and to carry that Milan can his body physically manage it after that serious knee injury had at United and the answer so far is yes it can because he is such a model professional on and off the pitch and he's you know it, it's unbelievable we've never seen I've never seen anything like this before and and what he's doing right now I mean if he were to win the Capo Canoniere and lead Milan to 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 a Scudetto that that's his greatest miracle that's bigger than any Champions League he could have won and failed to do because he shouldn't be able to do this. This Milan team shouldn't be able to win the Scudetto. They're not ready to do that yet. And if they're doing it, it's pretty much yeah. him. It's all him. And and it's remarkable. And they can do it. I mean, I was laughed at uh, by many people in, in on Twitter when I said this summer that I think you know they're an outsider to win the Scudetto. Uh, and I think that if they had gone Federico Chiesa, they definitely were a contender. Now, they didn't get Chiesa. He was wasting away at, uh, at Juventus under Pirlo. Uh, uh, but now, this is, this, you know, this, this is what he does. Even Milan win, when he, when, you know, this is what he's always done in the Serie A. This ability to score goals and win the games alone when the team that he plays for isn't doing well. This is how you win the Scudetto. Mm-hmm. And... He's doing it at the age of 39, and it's just... I mean, yeah. that goal against Udinese was... I mean, it's taekwondo. It's its, it's unbelievable what he's doing. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, they struggled against Udinese, and we've seen this with Zlatan in the past, that he is the difference between draws and wins, and, and, and defeats and draws. I mean, he got an assist and a goal, and really, Milan were flat, were flat against Udinese. It's one of the first times, one of the only times this season where they they haven't had that energy because Milan are a young team and one thing they do have is a lot of intensity every single match. They look tired against against Udinese and it looked nailed on a draw where they were going to mm. drop points. And then Zlatan, Zlatan made the difference. And like you said, Taekwondo, I mean, I don't know how he does it, but I, I, I mentioned a, couple, a few weeks ago uh, during the derby, he did one takedown yeah. um, where, where he kind of lifted his, his, his <laughs> foot like up to the skies and yeah. brought it down and, uh, and and Zlatan is still the best. I mean, possibly the best in Europe still at bringing down a long ball and protecting mm. it, and then bringing others into play. Mm. I mean, he's just he just you just pass it up, lob it up to him, and he'll and he'll he'll protect it. Um, he's he's unbelievable. No, it is, and and uh, but uh, and not only that. One thing because uh, I was watching this game and Tonali, that was his best game in him since joining me in Milan. When he came on, the tempo increased because Benasser struggled. And when he came on, the tempo increased, the passing tempo increased, the the his ability to shift the game from one side to another. It was Milan, they're not there yet, but they are building something incredibly impressive. That and, and it started in midfield, and then you have Teo Hernandez. I don't know, uh, you know, and then you have Zlatan, and we don't know how good he is, but what how how long he can continue, I should say. I, you know, but but the thing is, I hope that he's not you know, that, that he knows what he's doing so that he's not in a situation where he thinks he can do more than he can because at some point, he's 39 for crying out loud. He shouldn't be able to be this good. And But, I mean, if they if they continue like this and they, 
they seem to have found the right balance in terms of injuries and workload. Um, and if he just continues to take care of his body the way that he can, and he, if he can manage to stay injury-free, yes, Milan are a Scudetto contender for sure. So that's where I wanted to go next. Let's discuss Milan because, Carlo, as you already alluded to, yes, the goal by Zlatan at the end was incredible. However, I think we would all agree that it didn't really look like they deserved anything from that. I thought Udinese were very hard done. Obviously, the acrobatics at the end by, by Zlatan were, were incredible. But, Nima, you just said it. Carlo, where are you with this Milan? So, top of the table now. Based on what we've seen so far, what is your outlook for them for the remainder of the season? Well, normally I would say that I, I would still find it very, very unlikely that Milan will, will, will go on and win the Scudetto this season. But it's a, this is a very weird season. I think it's going to be, Serie A is definitely more competitive this season than, than it has been for, for many, many years. I think that the, the, the team that wins the Scudetto, their points tally is going to be lower than, than it has been for, for a long, long time. I think that we're going to get a lot of teams dropping points every single, every single week. You're not going to get teams going on long winning runs of seven, eight, nine, ten, ten games in a row. We saw Inter, Inter have won one game in their last six uh, under Antonio Conte. Juventus had won, had won one game in five before. I mean, those two teams obviously still remain the favourites, but I think that there is definitely more of a chance this season that we will see one of the, uh, we'll see a team outside of those, outside of those two sides that that could potentially go all the way. Uh, the only thing that I think is against the other teams, and that includes Milan, is the coronavirus, which I think I said last week. I think that you know we're going to see a lot of uh, you know a lot of outbreaks. I mean, we look at Lazio at the moment; they've got basically half their squad out with with the coronavirus. You know, Juventus and Inter will be able to cope better with that. But in terms of playing as a team, I think that Milan are the the number one team in Serie A right now. I mean, we brought up surprises and teams that we didn't expect being near the top of the table. Can we just talk about Sassuolo? Oh, my word. I think all of us, no matter how much of the Serie A that you consume, nobody would have expected this start from them. We all thought Napoli were probably the best team in the Serie A up until this point. Nobody would have expected this from Sassuolo. No matter how much that you rated this Sassuolo, Berardi, Zerbi, whoever it was, and no matter how much you watched at them, I don't think any of us could ever have thought that at this point, they would be sitting this high up in the table. They currently sit second in the table, four wins, two draws, zero losses, sitting at 14 points, two behind leaders, Milan. Guys, this has been an incredible Sassuolo side. For sure. They're doing, um, I mean, I've always, I, I thought the first season that Zerbi was in charge of Sassuolo, I, I was impressed by how organized they were defensively. Then last season, I thought, you know, he start, they started scoring goals and they started hemorrhaging goals. And, and I was like, okay, well, is this another a Gasparini thing? But then this season, they're, 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 he's finding the balance between the two, which is the most difficult thing to do. And he's doing it um, against Napoli without, he did it without Caputo and Berardi. Uh, Boga was back, but he's obviously he'll need some time to find his feet. But uh, it was it was a really impressive game against Napoli. Um, I was I was surprised to see Napoli lose this game because I was kind of waiting for them to to take control. But Manuel Locatelli, that that is oh I, yeah, I wow. mean Locatelli is is a is a metronome. He's playing yes. like a metronome, and this is this is the guy that 
Inter and Juve need. They desperately need this guy. He is he is the future that they should build their midfields around because with uh, with with you know the, with Milan you've got Benacer and uh, you've got Benacer and Tonali and Kessie. I don't see you know he, there's no room at the end there. But Milan and Inter need him. Uh, sorry, Juve and Milan, Juve and Inter need him. They really need him because he he is exactly what you need. What, what what both of those teams need in terms of and he in terms of he he he's defensively sound. He reads games. He interrupts, but he also creates. Um, and and it, and it looks it's looking really really good for him. Um, and and as long as he's you know against Napoli, he bossed the show. He bossed yeah, 50, that 56 56 percent possession Sassuolo had against Napoli. At all, Napoli. Na- all all thanks to Locatelli. I mean, he, yeah. he completely bossed that midfield, and and it's uh, it's so important to have players that can do those multiple roles in terms of being sound defensively, but also create with the ball and hit those passes before the assist before the assist to use ice hockey language, um, second assists, and 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 he he does that, and it was so impressive to see to see what he does, and and he's young. Many people forget he's only like 22, 21 years old, and mm. there, there there's a player there for sure. Yeah, Locatelli is a fantastic player. And, you know, at Sassuolo, uh, you know, I don't think we should even consider their, their win at Napoli as a shock. Because if you look at their record uh, in 2020 against the big teams, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic for, for, for a team of Sassuolo's size. In, in eight games against the big teams, so against Juve, Inter, Roma, Lazio, Napoli, Milan, Atalanta... Um, Sassuolo have won three of those games, drawn two, and only lost three. And, you know, they were unbeaten in both matches against Juventus last season. They drew it, drew it Inter. They they beat Lazio in Rome. They beat, obviously, Na- Napoli in Naples yesterday. And, and they, they beat Roma uh, <laughs> as well. You know, and that comes down to Deserbi, the, the coach as well, who I think is the next great Italian coach. I'm going to be honest, as I said, I mean, I, I, I was I was a little bit sceptical going into this season with about the Zerbi because, as I saw, as I said, the, his first season he played, he was very organized defensively. Last season, they attacked. Now he's getting the balance right, and that's the most difficult thing. And if you can do that, and you can do that consistently, and also play, like you say, progressive football, then yes, he is the next Italian super coach. Well, let's talk about another Italian coach who I think has a little bit of way before <laughs> we consider him a super coach, Carlo. So Juve win, okay? They get a win against Spezia. However, it still just looks like they are finding their feet. Well, it was an important win for, for, for Juve's confidence, but I still see a team that, that uh, are very chaotic in, in the way that they play. You know, we saw all of Juve's offensive firepower. I think the class eventually told in the end and and obviously when when Cristiano Ronaldo came on you know he made the difference he scored twice off the bench to to change things but I still see a Juventus team that are still too easy to play against still still too easy to play through that Juventus team to play through the midfield Uh, and I said the same thing about Barcelona and I said the same thing uh, in the game against Crotone as well that it takes two or three passes to get into the Juventus area from from one end of the pitch to the other and and that's way too easy. Spezia showed that even even yesterday, but they didn't have the quality to to make Juventus pay. You know the game against Barcelona. I know we're going to talk about that afterwards in the Champions League section, so I won't go into it for for too long. But Juventus were a complete shambles tactically uh, against Barca. So you know I wouldn't read too much into the Spezia game because Spezia are so so weak. Um, but still, it's an important is an important win for them to get back on track and and also to get Cristiano back. I don't understand what Juve are doing with Pirlo. Uh, and I don't think Pirlo knows what he's doing at Juve. 
uh, I, 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 I expected much more at this point. Uh, what we saw was a very good debut, but since then it's just been one giant regress, re- regressing. He he's looks more he looks more confused now than he's done ever before, and and this notion of him playing this weird three four two one or three five one one. What is that? What is up with that? I mean, he 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 said he was gonna, you know, he 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 his thesis was about four three three in possession ball, and now now he's, it's like he's trying to, you know, the, the experiments he's doing are almost, are weird. The, the, it's it's like it's literally it's 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 beyond square head uh, square square pegs round holes. It's 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 strange now, and the and the usage of some of these players as well. I mean, the way he uses Chiesa. I don't like it at all, and I think it's like you know you, you've moved, you left Yakini and Fiorentina to come to Juve to play in your correct position, and now you're being used in that weird, in that weird wing back role again, and and again, like you said, there's no balance in Juve, um, and I I don't know, I am I'm genuinely concerned. I I wonder how long the how how much patience there is with this. Um, if it continues like this, to be honest, I, it's it's against Barcelona. I don't. They were atrocious. They. I mean, let's not let's not. It was a shambolic performance, and this is not even a good Barcelona team. So it was. It was, no. I'm. I'm. This is. This is not looking good. Inter and Juve are not looking good at all. Fantastic segue. Inter, Nima, go. The only thing I can say about them right now is yikes. This is a. This yeah, it is yikes because it's the perfect storm. Um, it's the perfect storm because you have everything that was supposed to go was supposed to go well is going wrong. You have Lautaro and Defray, you know, players who are supposed to lead by example. Um, they're completely out of form. Defray looks like a shadow of himself. You have players that are supposed to be the experienced players with like Arturo Vidal and uh, Alexander Kolarov and Ivan Perisic. They are way past their sell-by date. And then you have a marquee signing in Christian Eriksen that is supposed to be that that just looks like he's having an identity crisis on the pitch because he and he and whoever is playing in that role that Barella occupies, whether it's Barella, Vidal, or Brozovic, they can't seem to get out of their you know they they get they get in each other's way. There's no balance in Inter's midfield as we've spoken about a hundred thousand times it feels on this show, um, and Inter's midfield get overrun. And if Juve, it takes two passes to get past Juve's midfield, it takes half a pass to get past Inter's midfield. Um, and and Conte's way of countering that is to overload the flanks, um, and that's and and that's pretty much like and, and his solution to that this season and the way he's talking is that well we'll create chances and score. The only problem with that is that you have to have some form of efficiency. Inter don't have that right now, and so that's why it's it's not a bad luck. It's not. Um, you know, it's it's not bad luck that Inter concede two shots on goal, and every time it's a goal because Handanovic has passed his best as well. It's it's also, uh, and it's not it's not just that either. It's the fact that where do these 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 chances come from? Where do these shots on goal do Inter concede them? They concede them directly in the middle of the park where you don't want to concede chances, and that's why they always go into the net. It's not luck. It's not chance. It's a balance issue. It's a tactical issue. And I'm thinking that last season, Inter having, and, and this has been, you know, this has been true with, with Antonio Conte, Conte's Inter since the day he took over. Inter have lacked balance. Now, last season, you had Lukaku and Lautaro and De Freis, uh, their individual forms masking that. But the issue is still the same. Now, you're just, you know, with them out of form and injured, it's being laid bare. And that is, that is a, that, 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 that's, that's a deep lying issue. 
that's a that's a tactical issue that's a balance issue and Conte knows this he's not stupid I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that he knows this and his his medicine to this is to overload an attack and and score five so when they score two that's not that's not how you win titles that's not how inter that's not how how you win the Serie A title that's not how you win the Coppa Italia that's not how you win anything in Italy and and that the, there is a there is a there is a big problem and the you know the so-called squad depth Raja Nainggolan was was an affront to the game of football. What we saw uh, against uh, Parma, they need to get they need to sort that situation out immediately. He looks completely disinterested. He 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 was awful, and I wonder, based on the back of that performance, if if you know if we'll ever see him play football for Inter again because it was it was atrocious. Now, one good thing was that Marcelo Brozovic started his path towards redemption with the performance that that he showed coming in, uh, not just because of the goal, but because of everything he did. He did everything that Christian Eriksen was supposed to do, and and Barella is being you know he's the next guy who's going to get injured because Conte is overusing him. Now, this this squad is 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 built is constructed in the wrong way. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even upset anymore. My anger and rage was in the summer because I saw this disaster coming a mile away. Uh, now it's just you know now it's just playing out the cards and mitigating mitigating you know for Inter top four is all you can hope for uh, and that's all I'm praying for that they don't miss the top four. I uh, think that Inter were Inter were a little bit unlucky have been a little bit unlucky recently. I mean I think Inter deserved to win against Parma. They deserved to win against Shakhtar. They deserved to win against Mönchengladbach. I think they deserved to draw and not lose to Milan. They're, they're, they've been missing a lot of chances. Uh, I thought it was a clear penalty against Palmer as well, although that's a whole another debate for another day. Um, but um, I think that at the same time, I think what we're also seeing with Antonio Conte is um, what I've been saying for years, that he's too tactically rigid. And in a game where he had no Lukaku or Alexis Sanchez, instead of being flexible, changing his formation and realising that he only had one natural senior centre forward I know Pina Monti was on the bench instead of even though he only had one natural centre forward Lautaro Martinez who is on terrible form himself at the moment um, he decided to stick with his 3-5-2 and put Ivan Perisic up front who is clearly you know is is clearly not a centre forward so I know he scored the goal at the end but he looked lost for the whole of that game that comes down to Antonio Conte being too tactically rigid he's only got one one formation one way of playing um, and you know that's what co- that that costs Inter in in situations like because this. he's an ideologue, and that's why Inter should never have hired him in the first place. Because the coach at Inter cannot be an ideologue; it has to be a pragmatic person. You have to do that. that. I mean, if you look at this club, works like that. That's the part of their identity. Inter is always one fi- is five minutes away from a crisis, and you can't be an ideologue tactically on the pitch if you're if you're going to succeed at Inter. You have to be like the way Mancini, Mourinho, Trapattoni. Uh, Helenio Herrera, where you have to be pragmatic in your approach, and 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 it and it's not working, and it's not going to work, and 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 his solution is is putting a Snoopy Band-Aid on a gunshot wound by putting Ivan Perisic up there. Something he said that he himself a year ago said he can't play for me there. He's not a striker. He's not a wing back. So all of a sudden, a year older, he is. It makes no sense, and 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 this is this is not going to go away. It's it's just going to get worse. One club that it just continues to get worse for, Torino. So (laughs) ironically enough, one of our user questions from the previous episode was, who do you think 
is going to be the first manager to be sacked. And I stood pretty strong with Iacchini, although I was willing to entertain the idea of Giampaolo being sacked just by way of how poor they've started the season. But I think the race is fully on now because Iacchini, they look terrible against Roma in their 2-0 loss. And then Torino, if we just want to talk about capitulation, I think that is really the only way you can describe what Torino did against Lazio. So they grab a lead in the dying stages of the match. And then they can see two goals in extra time. And they go on to lose 4-3. to three. I don't have to discuss Giampaolo because this is a guy I've never liked. This is a guy who disappeared at Brescia and he basically went MIA for an entire week because he couldn't handle the pressure of a Serie B side. So this guy is a provincial manager at best. Torino is one of those sides that I have always found should be a fixture within the city. I think a lot of us Agreed. probably feel that way. It, it, they have to do something because you, you cannot continue like this. And now we got the news that Balotti will be out for the next month. The owner, the president, Cairo, for all he does right, he, he is a president that takes two steps forward and then he takes five and a half back. It's so weird that you say that because I was literally going to say just that because if you, I mean, I've praised them for what he did with Petraki and the project they built there, but as soon as they've built something and, and should be going upwards, they just lose their minds and appoint Sinisa Mihailovic and, 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 or, or Giampaolo and, and it just, everything just goes, you know, pear-shaped and it's so sad because it is, it's a classic Serie A club. It's a club that I think should be in the top half of the, uh, of the of the league of the Serie A league table like eight nine ten, and and they have you know they have a role to play. But Giampaolo, it it looks so awful. And what about him has been appealing since he left Sampdoria? Nothing. What, Nothing. I, I guess I don't understand the reasoning behind his appointment. It still confuses me, despite the results. I do think that they have good players, but for I, sure, I, for me, this oh, almost feels like they, you don't. No, I do. I no, I think they. I think they got good players. They're decent players. They're not like. Champions League top four players. But oh, it's not relegation worthy. It's not relegation. You know, that, that's, I mean, Parma are worse off than in that case, or Spezia or. I think, other than Spezia and Crotone, um, I don't see any reason um, looking at looking at Torino's squad why they should be considered as, you know, a team that can't get relegated. I, I think, other than Belotti, who have they got in attack? They've got nothing in attack. Belotti is the only person that scores goals in that team. There's, who scores the goals for them? No one does. Um, and you know, Marco Gian- and Giampaolo is like looks like he's mentally broken completely. I, I met Giampaolo once actually um, in a in a preseason friendly between Sampdoria Watford, and Giampaolo was was outside the stadium before the game smoking cigarette after cigarette. He must have gone through about five cigarettes uh, before the match. So I don't know how many he's smoking uh, at, at the moment. But um, but yeah, look at Torino's record in twenty twenty. Um, it's abysmal. They they haven't won uh, for ten games now between the end of last season uh, and the start of this. And then earlier in the year, before the lockdown happened, they lost seven games in a row. Um, they've won one away game in the whole of 2020. Uh, John, do you want to guess who that was against? I don't want to discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. I mean, you look at them statistically, um, and now they've got Belotti, the only player that's scoring, who's out for well, like you said, could be maybe out for up to a month. Um, I I'm very very worried for them. I really think that they could go down this season. 
See, for me, though, Nima just discussed ideologues. Gianpaolo is a terrible manager. This was a terrible fit from the start. The only way it makes sense is if you completely transform your team. They didn't do that, and this is the result. So uh, is it as simple as just sacking Gianpaolo, guys? Well, who would you bring? You need to bring in a, play, a coach who plays, who can play that 3-5-2 or 3-4-3, which, or 3-4-2-1, whoever you want to play with the numbers. And and I don't see who, like, who would that be? And, and who would be interested in taking that job? I think the only person who I think would, would fit that is, is Ivan Juric, and he's doing an excellent job over at Hellas. So... Um, mm. that's the level they're at. And, and I don't see who, who else, I mean, what, you know, who would it be? I, I just honestly don't see who it would be. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go near that job right now. No. Because you look at their record that I just stated in 2020, and it looks like a team that are just plummeting. Yeah, that is probably the perfect way to describe it. Torino are plummeting. Before we move on, let's do a quick roundup of the Italian sides in the Champions League. Nima, let's start first with you and Inter. Uh, Real Madrid. I mean, uh, Militao has got COVID. The rest of the Real Madrid players are are um, don't haven't tested positive for COVID. Milan Skriniar is back training, but he won't be playing for another. You know, he won't be train. He hasn't trained properly for three weeks because he's had COVID for so long. So I don't think he'll play against uh, Real Madrid. I don't even think he'll play against Atalanta. So what you're what you're faced with is a back three of a out of form Stefan de Frey, uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio, and Alessandro Bastoni. Uh, hopefully, uh, who who plays, and then you you have Hakimi and Darmian, and they're up, you know, and then you have that midfield issues, Inter's midfield issues against Kroos, Modric, uh, Hazard, Vasquez. I mean, it, you know, I, I, the any way I cut this, I don't see how how Inter are going to hurt Real Madrid, uh, and and I think that you know, and Real Madrid were in this situation a year ago. Uh, in the Champions League, where they where they struggled in the first two matches, but then they just turned it around, and I think Zidane will will easily see off uh, Conte because there's so many holes for him to 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 hurt Inter with. And I, we're talking crazy Inter. I mean, it, it's it's uh, you know Antonio Conte is lucky that he's got so many people who are who he's friends with in the Italian media who've been very very light in their criticism of him and his Inter. Uh, but the the gloves will come off. If, if Inter lose against Real Madrid and then Atalanta on the weekend, then it's full-blown crazy Inter and the pressure will be on more than it's been on at this point. And uh, he will crumble under it because he doesn't handle pressure well at all. And and when he crumbles, that that that's when the that's when the that's when the meltdown begins. And his meltdowns are are Chernobyl-esque in in size and manner. If if his previous actions are anything to go by, so I uh, you know. I'm, I'm genuinely worried because if Inter are out of the Champions League again at the group stage, only this time we're talking regress. Last few years they were they were in it until the very end. Now we're we're what in, in three games into into the Champions League and Inter Inter could already be almost out of it. And that that's that's not progress. That's regress. Uh, and the same thing in the Serie A. I mean, I, I've I've said I honestly think that this is the weekend where where all the Inter are going to win the Scudetto. People are going to are in for a harsh awakening uh, this week. This week is when it's going to be made abundantly clear that Inter aren't going, through, aren't qualifying from the group stages of the Champions League, and they are nowhere near going to win the Scudetto either. Um, so th- that's where I am with that. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Absolutely hope I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I don't see anything to suggest that Inter can turn this around right now as things stand. Carlo, are you a bit more optimistic about Juve? 
Yeah, I, th- I think they'll they'll beat Ferencváros. So I don't think they'll have too many problems um, uh, against the Hungarians. They're, you know, they're not the strongest team. Uh, Ronaldo is back now. I can see him scoring uh, scoring another two goals. Um, but you know, as I said before, um, I think that they, they're still very chaotic uh, tactically. They don't look quite right, so they need to use this game to try and uh, they certainly need to tighten up a little bit in, in the middle and make themselves, you know, not so easy to play through. I I think uh, I think Juve will win this. I mean the the group stage. I mean Kiev, Ferencváros, with all due respect, are not that good, and I think they Juve will will cruise. I think the the I mean it's it's Barcelona and Juve that will qualify. I don't think that this is just one of those games where Juve have to go through and and just take the points on the day. Um, mm. But um, I mean the other the Atalanta in Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> that's delicious. Ooh. That is that that is mouthwatering, especially for the neutral. My gosh! Yeah, I mean that is going to be that that that, that is a game that can end three three four four five four. Like they can go anything because these are two teams that know how to attack. They attack in 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 with pace and power and and and, and know how to now they know how to hurt teams in so many ways. It's going to be very very interesting. Um, I just want to give a shout out before we go into that to to Lazio's heroic performance. Uh, what what they did against Bruges last week. Um, because of the way they, you know, going into that game with all the COVID cases, and and I think what they've, what, what, and also this weekend against Torino, um, you know, sure you want to eat the controversial penalty, but, but you can talk about that. But still, it's um, Lazio. Lazio should be given, mm. given given credit for what they're doing. It's the mental strength, the mental strength of Lazio. We saw it last season yeah. as well with the, with the number of games that they came back. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with late goals and late winners and stuff. You know that that's that's no there's no coincidence. No, they, it is. That when you know when the going gets tough, they have character. And it's and it's Inzaghi. That's all Inzaghi, and we should we should give credit for that. I think, I I honestly think. I mean, I'm kind of rooting for them, really rooting for them now to go through because of the, the adversity they faced and the way that they just never say die. Uh, the way they go out, go out, go at it, and it's it's. I'm really rooting for them in, in this midweek game. I thought they would disappoint in the Champions League, but clearly they are doing very well. Now they play Zenit. Always difficult, those Russian away fixtures. Mm. So we'll see what happens. But they've done very well. They've set themselves up very nicely to progress. I like their chances for this week. All right, so let's go, guys, to our Baggio of the week and our Ventura of the week. Okay, Baggio of the week. I'm going to take this one solo because he is the one who did it solo against Inter. Gervinho, the best hairline in all of Europe. Parma, they created essentially nothing. And the few chances they did create, Gervinho, sensational guy, very polite, extremely soft-spoken. So I've always had a very soft spot for him just from a human standpoint. He's a great guy. I don't want to take anything away from Gervinho because I thought his finish was fantastic, especially that first goal. The first but was unbelievable. It was gorgeous. But but the thing is, um, again, I want to reiterate this. It, it's where you... Where where do you concede the shots on goal? And Inter always concede them from straight on from the middle, and and mm. that's where all the goals come from. And and that's a tactical issue that the Conte has to has to sort out. All right, let's go to the Ventura of the week, Carlo. This one was great and perhaps one of the best viral videos that everybody has seen by now. Who is yours? Yeah, I, I was going to go for VAR uh, after another disastrous weekend, but I think everyone's bored of it now. So I thought I'd go with something that is kind of related to Italian football because Inter, Inter are playing Real Madrid this week. Um, and that was the antics of, of, of Karim Benzema d- during the, the Champions League game last week. 
um, against Borussia Mönchengladbach and Benzema was caught on camera um, telling his teammate, uh, Mendy, Ferland Mendy, basically not to pass the ball, <laughs> not to pass the ball to Vinicius Jr., um, and that the, the Vinicius was was basically playing against the uh, playing against the Real Madrid team, um, and you know I just I just found that astonishing. You know to to to, to say that about a teammate publicly is unbelievable. I mean I, I mean it did, didn't seem to have affected them because Madrid came back and and got a two all draw in that match and and then they won four one at the weekend. Benzema scored, so maybe two of them are okay with each other. But Ben. Is, is he's just got a special talent aside from playing football to just constantly put both feet into his mouth. Well, and this isn't even the worst video <clears throat> that yeah, he's been linked to. <laughs> I was going to say that as well. Yeah, just just ask uh, Valbu- Valbuena, was it? Yeah, Valbuena. Yeah, Valbuena. I mean, yeah. just uh, just I mean, th- this is just another Monday afternoon for Benzema. Like it's just, it's, yeah. it's mental. Like the, the stuff that he get, the trouble he gets himself into is. Yeah, let, let's just say I'm I'm waiting for that for for that career for for his book to come out after his career. Yeah. If if he's if Benson is your teammate, he's not the kind of guy you want to turn your back on. Put <laughs> put it that way. No, because otherwise you end up like Julius Caesar. You know. <laughs> very very true. Okay, let's move on, and I think now is the perfect time to reveal and play a short clip of our guest for this Thursday's interview episode, and that is none other than Pauli Malinaggi. You know Pauli, he's the retired boxer who held world championships in two weight classes. He's also a boxing commentator. And you also know that Pauli is a huge calcio aficionado. So obviously we were thrilled to have him on for that. You can get the full episode on Thursday. Again, if you want to get all of the interview episodes, patreon.com slash T-I-F-P. So here's a brief clip of what you can hear on Thursday with Pauli. And then immediately afterwards, we will go right into our our user question segment. I have to ask you about uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he's 39 years old and he's playing at an incredibly ridiculous high level and his fitness and conditioning is fantastic. You were the best boxer in the world. You were an elite level athlete. How does someone remain at the top of their sport for so long the way that he has? Um, you know, obviously he has a passion for it. Uh, diligent working, obviously. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> anything else he might be doing, I don't know, but you know, um, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, he keeps a passion for the sport for sure. It started there, you know. Um, I saw him in the MLS last year in the, in the U.S. and I I loved the banter he had with the media and the fans because you know <laughs> they just they just cannot appreciate a, uh, the combination of a of a world class player and character. It's like you, played, you know? It's like you, Paulie. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I got a kick out of him with uh, dealing with the American media. But, um, you know, they were trying to compare him to Carlos Vela and all that. <laughs> he was laughing. <laughs> you guys kidding me? You know, so it was, uh, it was kind of funny to, to see. But, but at day's end, uh, I think he's doing an amazing job with, with Milan. Um, and uh, really, he's a, part, a big reason why Milan has started the season so well and, uh, and, and, and so good. Okay, so thank you for everyone who submitted questions to us. Again, you can send them on social media, over Patreon, via email. So let's get to the first one, and that is for you, Nima. And that is from Twitter, and it's from at Sir Slaughter, who asks, who is more important for their teams out of Zlatan, Lukaku, and Ronaldo? That is, uh, that's a, such an excellent question because it's, it's a really difficult question to answer. But I think... Um, 
I don't. I think that in terms like you have to divide it up tactically. I think no one is more important for their team in the Serie A right now than Romelu Lukaku is for Inter. He is everything for for Antonio Conte uh, for how they play uh, both in defense and attack. But I think psychologically and mentally, Slatan at Milan, the thing, everything he brings. Um, so, so I, I'd say they're they're all kind of very close to each other. If this was like a race, we'll talk, we're talking like a photo finish in, in all aspects. But I think Lukaku edges the other two in terms of importance tactically. I think mentally and psychologically, uh, Zlatan edges the other two uh, for Milan. Uh, and then Cristiano Ronaldo is is just um, you know Juve Juve can score goals without Ronaldo as Morata I mean we all joke about the the hat trick in offsides and that photo of him and Filippo Inzaghi together is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life when when somebody posted that and spoke of Mr offside and stuff but I mean all that put aside Alvaro Morata can score goals uh, Dybala can score goals you know Juve can still score goals without Ronaldo what Ronaldo gives is 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 not i'm not saying he's replaceable but he's but it's not that fundamental uh for 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 you uh, as as the other two are fundamental i think i think over the course of a season out of those three zlatan wins the most points um, for sure. certainly for, mm. certainly for the certainly for the teams that are playing um i agree 100% about lukaku lukaku being the most important tactically i do think though that with ronaldo that if you want one player in a big match in a big one off game or in a big champions league game or when when it really really matters you pick ronaldo out of the three mm. all right carlo this one is for you it's from our patron gianni licio and he asks is luis muriel the most underrated player in the Serie A. I I think at the moment he probably is. Yeah, um, I mean he scored another two clinical goals on Sunday versus Crotone, and if you look at his his uh, his goal record over the last twelve to fifteen, well the last fifteen months, it's it's insane. I mean this season he scored five goals in four starts in all competitions. Uh, he's scoring at a rate of one goal every fifty six minutes, which is unbelievable. And and that's no fluke because last season it was well publicised about his his goals to to minutes ratio. He, he scored eighteen goals in ten starts in Serie A at a rate of one goal every sixty nine minutes. And I mean he's 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 been playing so well for for over over a year now, uh, and he's starting to show why. Like as a youngster, he was known as the new Ronaldo, the new yeah. Brazilian Ronaldo. And you know, obviously he's not he's not at that level, but you know. Gasparini, like so many others at Atalanta, is really getting the best out of him. And and I think right now, with Ilicic starting to still struggling a little bit, to, you know, after his 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 uh, being, uh, being out of the game for a while, I think he should be starting for Atalanta alongside uh, Gomez and Zapata. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I he, yeah, very underrated player. Uh, this next one, oh, Fiorentina <laughs> were very poor versus Roma. True. Has Beppe Iacchini lost his players? Yes. He had yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he never had them. Yeah, no, he's lost his players. Please, Comiso, as much as I love you, I can't believe you're still... What does he have on Comiso? Yeah, it, it has... <laughs> there's something. Down. There's something. All right, Nima, final one is for you. Zlatan has hinted at returning for the Swedish national team for next summer's Euros. What do you think? I've uh, I've I've always thought that with this crop of because Sweden has a golden generation coming up, uh, and they also have they're they're also for once they're they're not they they have they have balance in terms of defense defensive quality and attacking skill. I think what Zlatan Ibrahimovic could do in this team 
if they were to find a way to 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 mend the fences between him and the national team, Jan Andersson, Sweden could genuinely challenge for the European Championships. I think that's how. That, wow. that that's I, I really think so. I wow. really think so. I, I I this is what pisses me off about this whole thing that that that, that he's not even talking to Zlatan. I think. And Zlatan, on the other hand, is pissed off at him for 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 all the stuff that you know he's doing and accusing him of you know racism and all that stuff. They need to sort this out because this generation that they have, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, surround, surrounded by Dejan Kulusevski, he would raise Dejan Kulusevski, uh, Alexander Isak, Robin Kwaison, uh, that midfield with Kristoffer Olsson, Swanberg. I mean, this is, they are all young and they're very hungry. If you have, I mean, it's like Milan. They have young yeah. players, and then you have if you put Ibra in that mix, it will go really well because these kids have grown up idolizing and worshiping the grind that guy walks on. When he talks, they listen. When he tells them to do something, they do it, and and the same way as and he takes the pressure off of everyone else, like he does at Milan, and and this would this would allow everyone else to to kind of grow into it. Um, so for me, it's it's a no-brainer. You need to have Ibrahim. Sweden can do really well. I mean, the issue with with Ibrahimovic under Hamrian was that the defense sucked. They did not have any good defenders, and and also Hamrian is not a very good coach tactically, defensively. Jana Andersson actually is defensively sound. I just think that if they can, you know, it's like the Deserbi discussion earlier. The balance between the two, the key goes through Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and and I know he dropped a massive hint on it. I hope they sort this out because it would be this is Sweden's biggest chance to do something big since 1994. Whoa. Okay, then. All right. So thank you, everyone, for your user questions. That is where we are going to leave it for this episode. Again, we will be back on Thursday with our interview with Pauli Malinaji. If you would like to become a patron, patreon.com slash TIFP, and that gives you access to all of our episodes, the weekly review episode, the weekly interview episode, as well as our written pieces. So again, patreon.com slash T-I-F-P. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you in a few days. Bye-bye.